On today's edition of the Locked On Eagles podcast, General Manager Howie Roseman always talks about zagging instead of zigging in the NFL. When it comes to roster building trends, he might have talked about his specific plan in that way for 2023 on a podcast. All that and more on this Wednesday edition of the Locked On Eagles podcast. You are Locked On Eagles, your daily Philadelphia Eagles podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So much for making Locked On Eagles your first listen each and every day. Shout out to the everydayers Monday through Friday. I'm Louis DiBiase, joined as always by my co-host Gino Camilleri. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You can find us wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube as well. Make sure to hit us up on Twitter at LockdownBirds, at GC24 underscore football, and at DBLCLOE. Uh, Gino, we know General Manager Howie Roseman is one of, if not right now, I think he's the most open-minded general manager. I think he's most willing for you know, change when it comes mm-hmm. to his philosophy. I mean, you've seen that since what, 2010 up until now, all the different strategies he's taken. I think he's maybe the most aggressive and the most creative And what he's always talked about in interviews, whether it works or not, is trying to stay ahead of the curve. You know, he always said, if you're trying to replicate what the past Super Bowl champion already did, then you're already too late. So you try to zag when the rest of the league is zigging. And so, you know, over the years, we've kind of seen what he meant specifically, like what the plan was. 2017, it was trading draft picks for veterans, younger players that fell out of favor for non-football reasons. In 2020, it was more, let's go for the speed aspect, you know what I mean? And then this past two years, it's more been like collecting draft picks in a more aggressive league and trying to have the best of both worlds. This year, he talked about it, and I was kind of saying, I'm not really sure what that is, though, specifically now, because a lot of his new philosophy is kind of keeping things more simple, drafting players from Georgia and Alabama, you know, not really honing in too much on style for positions, but it actually does sound like there is a specific thing. Maybe he was talking about, he was on Chris Long's podcast, the green light the other day, and he was talking about Nolan Smith specifically and how you really need now on the edge, like under, you know, you know, in the past they would be considered undersized players, but now they need that speed aspect against all these mobile quarterbacks. You saw that against Patrick Mahomes' first hand of the Super Bowl. It's what pretty much ended the game. So that actually makes sense when you look at last year investing that big contract in Hassan Riddick this year, investing a first-round pick in Nolan Smith. He really, it's been about speed on the edge now, and that's different than what they normally have done in their past 4-3 defenses. And it's been a shift. I, I love that you finished it there with what they did defensively, right? For yeah, the longest for time, they were... Dating back to t- not just 2021, honestly. 2020, 2021. Mm-hmm. They were as basic of a 4-3 scheme as yeah. it came under Jim Schwartz, right? You had your two defensive tackles. You had your two either 7-tack or wide 9 defensive yeah. ends. And that goes back years. I mean, that was to the Andy Reid years even. And then the only time they went away from that was when... Chip Kelly went to this more odd front style look where Brandon Graham is playing with that players Hassan though that Reddick were still role. in a four three style like exactly mentality, you know personality and style. imagine yeah. today that Brandon Graham has to go and stand up in coverage like he did and back Vinnie in Curry. 2013 I mean, exactly that would be questionable when it came to coaching and it would become questionable when it comes to player personnel but the thing that has turned that around is one coaching. Why do they have this need now? Well, the last two coordinators since Nick Sirianni has come to Philadelphia have looked to shift 
the way that the Eagles play to a more odd front style look where you have multiple interior defensive linemen, but on the outside, you could have two edge rushers, you could have yeah. three, and where do they line up? Well, you're going to see at times this year that Hassan Riddick is standing up on the edge. Maybe mm-hmm. Nolan Smith is mugged up in the A-gap, or maybe yeah. he's even on the same side as a guy like Hassan Riddick is, and you'll see the combination of Josh Sweat on the other side and Brandon Graham, and what differs when it comes to Hassan Riddick and it comes to Nolan Smith is their ability to be a 360-degree pass defender. And what do I mean by that is that they aren't just guys that are going to be going after the quarterback. They're mm-hmm. guys that you can drop into coverage and still are considered an edge defender. Yeah, right? they can you move to, forward and backwards. Yes, and east and west as well, man. They're great mm-hmm. athletes, and that's what you have to differentiate from is that what they have on the other side in Josh Sweat and Brandon Graham is your more typical role there. I mean, even Derek Barnett is still on the roster, right? And yeah. I, I think when you look at that role, there was a reason why they were drafting that player in 2017, and they got Josh Sweat and Brandon Graham in that draft. And I think eventually you'll start to fall away from that as they get more tweener-type players on that opposite side of that speed defender, right? You'll mm-hmm. see more of the Milton Williams who can play inside and out as opposed to maybe just a pure Josh Sweat hand-in-the-dirt edge rusher. Yeah, but They started zagging, I think, when a lot of the NFL did as well. Because if you see the big-name guys now, who is it? It's the Brian Burnses of the world. It's Hassan Reddick. It's Micah these Parsons. guys, Micah Parsons, these guys that can stand up and move around and aren't just going to be pass rushers. They're going to go yeah. back into coverage. They can be a middle-of-the-field run stopper at times as well. And how many times did Hassan Reddick make run, run plays that we couldn't even talk about because he was making better plays? And even on like read option plays, you know, you have to be so quick in your decision-making and you have to be able to close in a certain amount of space so fast. And that's really tough when you're a guy the size of Brandon Graham or you have the right. lateral agility of a dump truck if you're Derek Barnett. You know what yeah. I mean? So I, I think the game naturally, I think on the edge and on the outside, is becoming smaller, not just at the edge, but you look at the other side of the ball and you look at wide receiver and heck, you mm-hmm. can even say on the offensive line. I mean, look at Jason Kelsey and who they drafted in Cam Jurgens. That's not a big center or right guard wherever you play him. So I think the league naturally right now is becoming about speed. And so naturally the game's getting smaller. How he said it himself on the podcast, it's like linebackers are becoming safeties or I should mm-hmm. say safeties are going to linebacker. Linebackers are going to edge and you know, that off ball linebacker is, not becoming extinct, but it's definitely kind of going away. And that spot in the middle is almost a tweener of what a safety and an edge Mm -hmm. rusher is. So I think you're seeing that direct correlation with what the Eagles are building these last two years with Hassan Reddick and Nolan Smith. And almost, you know, it's almost like the edge is getting smaller. And since the boundaries of the football field are getting smaller, it's like the middle though, at least on defense is getting bigger because now there's a place for a nose tackle like Jordan Davis where there wasn't really in the past. It felt more like a 4-3 defense. It was more balanced when it comes to the size mm-hmm. of all four guys up front. But because you're having Nolan Smiths and Hassan Reddicks, now I think there is, though, again, a place for the really big interior defensive lineman too. Got to have pass rushing ability in a pass-heavy league, but you know that's coming back as well. So it's interesting to see the way the league is changing on the defensive side of the ball as they're trying to answer to these aggressive spread offenses that pass the football. Well, 
Cody Alexander, who writes all of the Match Quarters books that I talk about time and time again here, he yeah. talks about the idea of spatial Darwinism, right? You want to sure. take up more space and take away space from the opposing team. Well, how do you do that on the inside, Lou? You don't mm. need guys that move extremely well. You might yeah. need a bigger guy who can give you the benefit of taking away two gaps and give you yeah. that potential. Because you need those extra bodies. Davis. Going everywhere else. Yeah, exactly. Because then you have to have the athletes on the outside that if you're going to a gym shorts style scheme where they're just knifing in off the edge, well, you can't do yeah. that anymore. You got to sit there. And like you said, against the read, you have to take that extra second. I now have to see if my guy is going to keep the ball and go outside. And then I have to pursue outside. I'm not just going to the quarterback anymore. The quarterback has the ball. I got to get outside and chase this guy like a running back. So it is right. the evolution of the game. It's trying to win with more versatile players because if you just have that one type of player in each type of role, it makes you very, very one-sided when it comes to this is what I can present on defense. Because when you go back to those days of the late 2010s and early 2012, like early 2010s rather. Yeah. And late 2000s, look at what those defenses were. You knew exactly what you were getting. You were playing this wide nine. How bad were they when they were in that wide nine and everybody knew how to defend it, right? You knew how to defend it against the run. You just clear those guys out of there. Now you got an open C gap against the pass. I mean, you just had to get enough time to allow those guys not to get off the edge and you could see them coming from those wide nine position. Now you don't know where pressure is coming from in today's modern NFL. You don't know who is dropping back into coverage and it comes down to having the guys that want to call those plays and the players that can yeah. fundamentally take care of business when those plays are called, i.e. Hassan Riddick, i.e. Nolan Smith. And ideally, you like a guy that can do it all, and that used to be a lot to ask for. But you do have players like Josh Sweat now, who mm -hmm. are six five plus, and you know two hundred and you know however many pounds, and have a giant wingspan, and they also do have that lateral quickness. But there is more of a place for you know an undersized quote unquote edge rusher like Nolan Smith, who in the past there would become some concerns about, and there still is. I think that's why he dropped all the way to you know, 30, but at mm -hmm. the same time, there's teams like the Eagles that want that kind of player. And it's not just them. The New York Jets took a player just like that, and it was a very surprising pick. But 15 they, picks they, earlier. Right, it was a little bit, I think, too rich for our blood, mm -hmm. but the philosophy was kind of the same with Will McDonald. They wanted an edge rusher that had a ton of speed and could kind mm -hmm. of play up and down, and like you said, laterally too. So the league's kind of going in that way. Maybe that's, you know, because Howie this offseason has mentioned a lot, like zagging when the rest of the league is zigging, and, you know, that might be one of the areas he mentioned specifically was at the edge rushing spot, and it's going to be exciting to see what Nolan Smith can do in year one heading into 2023. Want to talk a little bit more about Nolan Smith, Jalen Carter, Cam Jurgens, some guys that the Eagles clearly have a, a plan for, an important one. So we'll get into that coming up next right here on the Lockdown Eagles podcast. And guys, today's show is sponsored by Built Bar. Looking for a delicious snack but don't want all the sugar and calories? Then you need the best tasting protein bar ever. It's Built. You got to try these if you're like us and you want to make healthier snack choices this summer, but you don't want to compromise on flavor. We've got just the thing for you. It's Built Bars and Built Puffs. Built Bars are healthy and taste amazing. Why? Because they're covered in 100% real dark chocolate. They come in some unbelievable flavors as well. You've got churro, peanut butter, brownie, uh, cookies, and cream. Not sure how Built does it, but these bars taste amazing, and they're healthy for you. Only 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, with a whopping 17 grams of protein. Now you don't need to wait to get your box at Built.com. We've been telling you for years to order Built 
Built Bill Bars. But now you can also get them at your local Walmart or Sam's Club while you still can also, like I said, get your specialty flavors at Built.com. So when you're at Walmart, walk to the pharmacy section, grab yourself a box of Built Bars. You can pick up a four-bar box of cookies and cream, double chocolate, or coconut puff. And if you're close to Sam's Club, run in and grab a 13-bar box with our hit flavors, brownie batter puff and churro puff. You can thank us later, and we thank Built Bar for sponsoring the Locked On Eagles podcast today. All right, Eagles fans, we're continuing on this Wednesday edition of the Lockdown Eagles podcast. Shout out to the everydayers for making us a part of your day. Your first listen, Monday through Friday. Gino, we were kind of talking about how Nolan Smith and I'd say Hassan Riddick as well last year is kind of the representation of how he's trying to stay ahead of the curve and, you know, get more of these undersized edge rushers than he's used to. He's used to the Trent Coles, the Brandon Grahams, the Vinnie Currys, Jaquay Parker, Derek Barnett, uh, Chris Long, even... It wasn't that long ago he was trading for Michael Bennett and, mm-hmm. um, you know, he brought back Vinny Curry in 2019 and the list goes on and on. But the past few years, he's seen how the league is going mobile quarterback heavy and you need speed on the edge. So he signed Hassan Riddick and then he took a guy that got a lot of Hassan Riddick comps in Nolan Smith out of Georgia. So definitely a way that how he's trying to stay creative on defense and you look at Nolan Smith and his role, not just this year, but in the future. You look at also the fact that he got Jalen Carter at nine overall, trading up from 10 to nine. You look at his second round pick of Cam Jurgens last year, and I think it's clearly obvious what he's trying to do with those players. And it's very obvious that their style, it, it, you know, it's not a surprise that their style is very similar to what the Eagles have had at those positions for a decade plus now, right? I mean, you look at Nolan Smith, his style isn't the same as Brandon Graham. It is of Hassan Reddick, but his personality is a lot like BG. You look at Jalen Carter, what was he? The best passing rushing defensive, excuse me, the best pass rushing defensive tackle that fell in the draft. That was Fletcher Cox as well in 2012. Cam Jurgens, what was he? An undersized center though, but they used his mobility, um, his smarts, athleticism, and got a lot of Jason Kelsey comps. So, I, I think clearly what Howie's trying to do is find his new Kelsey, Cox, and Graham. And when you look at team building, you do have to evolve, right? But the ideas and the foundations, if it's not broke, don't fix it. And that's exactly yeah. what Howie Roseman is doing, right, Lou? And maybe the first zag when everybody else's zigs pick was the Fletcher Cox pick that year. Because if you look at the player who was picked Right after him. Do you remember who it was? Well, I know Don Point Terry Poe went right in front Dante- of him. Oh, Don Terry Poe went right in front of him. He rather, went right, right in front of him. Yeah, by the Chiefs. And maybe that was a blessing in disguise to go and get Fletcher Cox because at the time he wasn't that put your hand in the dirt, zero one tech, you're going to be that eat up two gaps type of guy. No, this was a guy who got after the quarterback, right? And that was the mold of Mississippi State interior defensive lineman moving forward. He set the paradigm for Jeffrey Simmons, who would come to be, and now he's setting the paradigm for what the Eagles want in terms of interior defenders. And you have to have one of those players for many years that plays yeah. at an elite level. That was Fletcher Cox. Let's go out and get Jalen Carter. Well, we had an interior offensive lineman who led in the weight room, led in the offseason as leader on and off the field. That's Jason Kelsey. What position does he play? Center, arguably the second most important position on the football field. Mm -hmm. Let's go get Cam Jurgens. They're doing it over and over and over again at important positions, right, Lou? And maybe the one where they can afford to do that are the ones that they got right and instead of zigging when they have to zag, they just stay right on the path. But the times yeah. where they've zagged when they should have zigged, Lou, look at Jalen Hurts. Like, we have to discuss that. What if they just made the Jeremy Chin pick and just 
said, all right, we're going to just take this guy and get a safety and we don't go out and, and get the it's great. What if? Cause I don't know what happens with Wentz at that point, but yeah, yeah right. Sure. Exactly. But th- the rest of those guys at, at those positions, especially, I think you can even go back to the day of, of Jordan Maialata and Andre Dillard, right? Like what were they well, trying was gonna to say, do? You know, the one guy that they haven't really found, like, I don't think Tyler Steen is like, that's clearly your next Lane Johnson, but you could almost no. say Jordan Maialata is that player on the other side. Yeah, you just have to find one foundational tackle, and the Eagles have lucked into yeah. multiple foundational tackles year over year over year. Well, you have your left tackle, and what were you trying to do at that time? You were trying to find the doppelganger for Jason Peters. Well, yeah, that Jason is what Peters, Lane was designed to do. 100%. Exactly. They tried to yeah. get him in 2013. It didn't work out when they moved him to left tackle. They said, just be the right tackle. Well, they went out and got Andre Dillard, but what did Andre Dillard lack that Jason Peters had? that physicality, that toughness, that prowess when it came to the yeah. run game that nobody is going to be in front of him and I'm going to move you out of the way. Well, that happened to be Jordan Maialata. Not only are they getting guys that play similar positions, Lou, the makeup, the physical makeup, the mental makeup, the makeup on the field, they mm-hmm. all, like when you say, they might not look like each other, yeah. but they're doppelgangers when it comes to the stuff that Howie Roseman appreciates in his football players and how he, and why he loves, I mean, it's not a coincidence that the guys he wanted on stage when they won the NFC championship game are outside of Jalen hurts. It's Elaine Johnson. It's Fletcher yep. Cox. It's Brandon Graham and Jason Kelsey. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think it's obvious they're trying to find those replacements and they're trying with Jalen Carter with Nolan Smith. And of course you got to mention Josh Sweat and Hassan Riddick there as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but 100%. you know, so I think it's not a coincidence at all. And Cam Jurgens, especially Jason Kelsey said heading out of Nebraska, Jurgens is the guy that reminded him most of himself over mm-hmm. the last several draft classes. So they're definitely trying that. And again, with Nolan, it's a different style than Brandon Graham compared to like Carter, I think does comp to Fletcher Cox in his prime a bit. Like that's an elite pass rushing defensive tackle. Cam Jurgens mm-hmm. definitely comps on the field to Jason Kelsey. Nolan definitely does not comp to Brandon Graham, but I listened to his uh, appearance with Chris Long and uh, the green lights podcast the other day. And it was awesome. And his, his style, that happy energy, that is so much like BG that he can kind of learn from BG's leadership style and enhance that even more. So I think that part of it is very Brandon Graham-esque. And that's exactly what you're going to get in in this new evolution of these leaders, right? You're going to have to find the guys who are more mobile, the guys who are more happy-go-lucky, and then you're going to have the Jalen Carters that don't say a lot, but when they're on the field, Yeah, everybody's a different leadership style. Exactly. You look at 2017, Fletcher Cox, he's... Well, I should say, I mean, he is a rah-rah guy, maybe not compared to Brandon Graham. You see him in right. the, the pregame huddle. But you're right, there's the the quiet leaders for sure. And then you have like the more disciplined guys like Malcolm Jenkins was back in the day. So yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. you got to find a, a bunch of different styles of leaders. And above anything else, can they play football really, really well, right? Because yeah. I believe you can mold the leadership, the mentorship aspect. If you want to create this environment, you can, as long as you have that buy-in, but the football thing, that's tough. It's tough to find Jalen Carters, right? Like you can't find those guys. You could Mm -hmm. talk yourself into maybe one of those other guys that were selected after him might be able to get to that point and try and talk yourself into it and try and outsmart the rest of the league. But then at the end of the day, you realize, yeah, we picked Fletcher Cox at what? He was at 12? 12. He probably yeah, should have been up. the yeah. fourth or fifth pick in that draft if you go back 100%. to that class, right? I cannot believe they took Don Terry Poe over him in Kansas City. And we're probably going to say the same thing about Jalen Carter and say, I, I so. wasn't Cam Jurgen selected earlier and 
why was Nolan Smith the 30th? Why was there a running back that got drafted in the same state that he played football ahead of him? Yeah, 100%. (laughs) So, yeah, Carter Smith and Juergens, I'm sure they're hoping they're the new BG, Cox, and Kelsey for sure. Uh, Gino, coming up next, we're going to wrap up the show. We got some Jalen Hurts talk. I was toxic the other day and watched some Super Bowl 57 highlights, but I have some takes because of it. All that more, one final segment right here on this Wednesday edition of Locked on Eagles. All right, Eagles fans, we're wrapping up this Wednesday edition of your daily Philadelphia Eagles podcast, Locked On Eagles, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I was an idiot the other day. It's slow news, and I'm just trying to find some inspiration for the show. And I told myself that I, and I still haven't, and it, it'll probably be a long time. You know, I don't know if I ever will. Maybe if they win a Super Bowl this year or in the next few years, then I would feel more emotionally stable and ready to go back and watch Super Bowl 57 in full. It's kind of like if you've got an ex-girlfriend, you don't want to look through the pictures, right? But if you got a new girl, you're like, okay, now it's funny to look back and laugh at. You know what I mean? It's, it's not as raw anymore. So, But I did watch back just because it's such a monumental piece of Eagles history now, what Jalen Hurts specifically did in that game. It's one of the best performances in Super Bowl history for an individual mm. player, I would go as far as saying it was even better than what Brady did against the Eagles in Super Bowl 52 in a loss. So you definitely got to talk about that. And man, looking back at those highlights, I look at that that specific, the two-point conversion to tie the game up with five minutes to go. And the fact that this dude carried four, because what made me start watching this was Howie Roseman at the end of his interview with Chris Long talking about how he thinks Jalen Hurts is intangible sometimes makes his talent go under the radar, overlooked, because everybody always talks about his leadership, his clutchness, and all that. But he said the dude's a freak. And then I thought back to that play where he carries four Chiefs defenders into the end zone. And, man, that's that's one of those Super Bowl moments where you're like, it's kind of like the Jermaine curse catch, Seahawks-Patriots, where it's that was the moment we'd always talk about if the result was the other way around. That's totally fair. And, yeah, yeah you have to get over those ones. It sucks, but... I mean, look at the Terrell Owens performance on a broken freaking leg in the Super Bowl. And that's what made me think about it, Gino. There's some, the Eagles have some players that were legends in playoff losses. I I think back to Deshaun Jackson as a rookie against Arizona, how him and McNabb really carried that team that had no business being in that game. 375 passing yards and three touchdowns in that loss. Really? And that yeah. prob- most of them probably came in the second half because yeah. they did nothing in the Which first Which was half. rare for McNabb in those games. Mm-hmm. And the Eagles do have those performances, right? And and that's what makes yeah. you realize that it's, it's not an individual sport, as we keep saying. And the Jalen Hurts performance yeah. is that, right? And how much is it a team game? Well, Jalen Hurts, the guy who played so exceptional, also at the same time had a fumble return for a I touchdown, know. which ultimately cost them the football game however you want to slice up how those points came it did happen but at the same time he played so damn well that you're saying he should have beat Patrick Mahomes but that's not how you slice it but at the same time your general manager understanding who he is and saying those intangibles overlook what his talent was I think that's the reason why you were able to draft him where he was Lou and the reason we talked about him the way we did is that those intangibles may be overshadowed how truly good he is and I don't think we've seen the best Jalen Hurts like do you believe that he's not going to get better after the oh, year 24 totally think he's years of age like but it's, I just, it's insane yeah. to not believe that and again I understand why they lost that football game this terrible Twitter account right now is just taking screenshots of moments before things 
become disasters in big Eagles games. And it's just a, a torturing account. Um, you know, of course, the punt on fourth and two and, you know, the fumble, the Kadarius Tony kick, the punt return. There's so many moments, but that punt was tough. That punt was really yeah, tough. It was definitely tough. And I don't think it was talked about enough at the time. But it again, I think the Jalen Hurts performance, it was so good. It makes it hurt even more. And we said mm-hmm. this in the recap show after they lost. Um, you just you wanted it so bad for him because it's not that we're never going to talk about that performance again, but it it hurts to talk about it even right now. And I apologize to listeners for ending the show on this kind of note, but you know it's a positive and a negative at the same time. It's like man, this was just one of those games that it didn't go your way, but you'll never forget it for what Jalen Hurts did. It's, it was an incredible individual performance. Oh, absolutely! It was LeBron and James, two thousand eighteen. I, mean, I know you, that's why you have to take the emotions out of it and really see it for what it is, right? Yeah. There, I think in the future the, it'll be a lot easier. There's always those movies around the Oscar time where they're up for all of these awards and mm-hmm. saying, what on earth is this? But then it's like, oh, a big name actor is up for every single award. And it's like, oh, that's Jalen yeah. Hurts and he's g- going to go and show up and be an MVP. But at the same time, if the defense lays a stinker like they did and the rest of the movie lays a stinker like, many have that's the exact result of it and tough that's why the the eagles arizona game is so tough for me because i i I know what you're thinking lou you saw the finish line you saw him lifting up the trophy you saw how much more enjoyable it would have been because of like you look at the denver broncos super bowl win like was it fun of course for them i mean they Mm -hmm. had one of the best defense of all time but you know peyton manning throws for 140 yards he throws what an interception no touchdowns and I don't know. I, th- I think it's more fun to have a win like Nick Foles did where he outduels Tom Brady in a Super Bowl win. Right. And so, you, like you said, you see the finish line and you see the stories that you could have had. Mm-hmm. And, it, you know, the, the result doesn't negate those stories, but it definitely would have enhanced it if you win the game. And it's not just like the McNabb game, the NFC title, or Hurts in the Super Bowl. All those kind of losses bother me so much more when there's like a dominant performance from your quarterback. Even as stupid as it sounds like 2019 when Wentz hit those heroics against Atlanta and Aguilar drops the ball or JJ drops the ball against Detroit. Aguilar drops it again in New England on fourth and long. It's just those kind of games are just, you know, it's tough. And like you see that in basketball, a guy drops 50 and you still lose like Mm-hmm. Man, because it's it would it's it'd be so amazing to just have the focus be about that performance, and it's almost like it not it doesn't get forgotten, but it, it definitely gets diminished in NFL lore. I think we should do a show where we rank like the top ten of these because you could even yeah, go. That's a good idea for sure. To the AJ Feely against the Patriots game, man, like yeah. maybe one of the most underrated quarterback performances of an Eagles quarterback ever. It was mm-hmm. of AJ Feely almost took down the undefeated Patriots and the list can go on and on, man. Yeah. I mean, go back to those early 2000 seasons too. You'll, you'll get into some horror stories, but at the end of the day, Lou, when Howie Roseman made that pick him understanding what it took at that position was a big move forward. Right. And we talked about Zig when everybody else is zagging or vice versa, that was that first moment where we realized maybe this guy, and we were saying this years later, maybe this guy does know more than us, right? Like not I at mean, the yeah. time we didn't. At say the time, it. I still would have made the no, a hundred percent. Yeah, lucky, but <laughs> but that's how we can look at these these eras, these like three year periods, and say, oh, he was zigging when everybody else started to zag. Like twenty seventeen, the first guy to really bring in all of these weapons to surround a young quarterback was 
Howie Roseman with Carson Wentz, then the Stephon Diggs trade happens, and then the DeAndre Hopkins trade happens, and all of these receivers are moving all over the place, and that's what Howie does. He's a trendsetter, man. Like, like it or not, he might be the guy, like those stupid big red boot shoes that everybody's wearing all over social media. You might look at them and say, yeah, these are stupid, but then in like a couple months, you're going to say, yeah, everybody's got these things. Like that's what Howie does, man. Though. They are they terrible are, though, right? So but hey, I mean, if I, I can get a pair of Kelly green ones with like a jersey, <laughs> that would be pretty sick. Maybe That'd I'll consider it, but sick. those things suck. <laughs> no, but you know what I'm talking about though. He gets ahead of the curve and he's there and you're looking back and saying, well, how and sometimes it works, sometimes him? it doesn't, right? Like 2020, he tried and with Rager and it didn't work, but I, I respect yeah. the effort. I, mm. I respect trying to be creative, and I think now he's striking a better balance of knowing when to be traditional, i.e. taking Georgia and Bama players, and you know, at times knowing when to zig versus zag, i.e. going smaller at edge. So yeah, mm. having an open-minded general manager is huge. It helps you get guys like Jalen Hurts, even if you didn't agree at the time. Sometimes it gives you a Jalen Rager too, but you'd rather live and die with that, going for home runs than trying to hit singles and you know doubles Bingo. all the time. But yeah, we should definitely do that podcast. We got to look into like best performances and losses from Mm. you know eagles legends so we'll get into that we got time it's may 31st june 1st is tomorrow we still have a month and a half though still until training camp mm-hmm. otas though coming up we got you covered every day right here on your beloved philadelphia eagles the lockdown eagles podcast part of the lockdown podcast network your team every day shout out to the everydayers monday through friday we'll be back tomorrow for a thursday edition of the show until then hit us up on twitter at lockdown on birds at dibiase loe and at gc 24 underscore football for gino camilleri i'm lou dibiase signing off as always thank you for downloading thank you for watching and listening and let's go birds fly eagles fly